0: midwife crisis podcast will touch on sensitive topics regarding the human body sexuality pregnancy and all aspects of women's health care and may not be suitable for all listeners welcome back i'm kate and i'm pr and this
1: is season two of the midwife crisis because it's not just you
0: we're back from a pretty significant break Thanks a lot, COVID. And we've made a lot of changes. And I've missed you terribly. I want to get that out of the way because
1: we have not seen each other in months. We haven't. And we attempted some out-of-a-studio recordings with very mixed results, as you, as our listeners, probably know. So we're back in the studio. Thank
0: you, vaccine and other. No one wants to hear my heavy inhalations like like on that home recording.
1: (laughs) No one wants to hear the trucks going by outside my apartment. Um, So, yeah. Anyways, we're back and we're back at Baobab Tree Studios and we're really excited about this. Uh, We have a fabulous new theme song and a full season of episodes and lots of new content. So, let's go.
0: You know what, though, PR, I don't know, I'm just not really feeling it. I didn't sleep that great last night. and I kind of have a headache, I don't know, It's just, I don't know, does this sound familiar to anyone? It sounds
1: like you don't wanna do the do. Did you watch anything good on Netflix?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. So listen, guys, no, no Netflix and chill here. Um, low libido, low sex drive, sexual dysfunction, these are all terms to describe what many of our patients and clients report during their visits. Um, This can include a bunch of different disorders for um, females. And we're going to sort of say female, um, but of course, we mean anyone who needs gynecologic or obstetric care. Um, So these include uh, female sexual interest arousal disorder, female orgasmic disorder, and genitopelvic pain or penetrative, penetrative disorder. Um, And to be considered dysfunctional, you need to have symptoms of any of these disorders that cause you distress and occur at least 75% of the time over a six-month period.
1: I'm not even sure who came up with that definition, but I think it's important to mention that because it may occur less frequently for you, that doesn't mean that these feelings aren't real. And people may not want to wait that long to be considered to have legit issues with uh, sexual dysfunction It's kind of like when you have a couple of miscarriages mischar- and you really want a baby and, and then your provider says, well, we wait for three because that's a pattern and then we'll work you up. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of bullshit. Um, yeah. You, you want to be heard in the moment, no matter how long it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, I just threw that in there, uh, past estimates of the incidence of, of FSD so female sexual dysfunction a range from approximately ten percent if distress is used as a criterion to seventy five percent for menopausal women. Woo <laughs> For the menopausal women, um, if symptoms are used alone as a criterion. So for menopausal women, we're using symptoms mostly. But, you know, all of this can be a mix. The emotion, the distress, the symptoms, you can mix it all up. The peak age group for female sexual dysfunction consists of women age 51 to 59 years. And I think that that is unjust. (laughs) Um, These are your best years. Usually your children are out of the house or on their way. You have freedom. You're not going to get pregnant. And um, you have a lot of times enough money to do some things that you want to do. And then you don't even have the inclination to be intimate with your partner when you're finally free. Mm. Uh, However, it can occur in women of all ages. I'm kind of obsessed with the menopausal women (laughs) (laughs) in pregnancy. Many women find lower libido. Let's start from the beginning in the first and uh, third trimester, and increased libido in the second trimester. And in the first trimester, a lot of women tend to be sick. Mm-hmm. And so they're not in the mood to... And tired, just Sick, sick and, and tired. tired. Yeah. Both sick and tired. And wondering why they thought it was a good idea.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the
1: third trimester, you are physically larger. You have two real humans sharing, maybe three humans. It, does, it depends on how many kids you have in there, sharing the same space. And so... Um you're you don't feel the urge. you just want to go to sleep, and
0: then you want your partner to put their foot in your back so they can help you get up to pee. <laughs> I love that night. sex scene from Knocked up where they're like trying to figure out what position to have sex in. And she's like, trying to be on top, but she's like crushing right. him and then she's like trying to lay on the side, try to get the bellies in the way. and it's like it 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 can be like that. <laughs> yeah, it can be
1: sad i I usually um refer folks to the bend over. It, it'll just or be side lying. much easier. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm a big fan of just the sideline. Just lay there.
1: Sideline <laughs> side requires work too. Anyways, in the second trimester, you're feeling better. Um, you kind of increase your libido because you, you do feel better. You have freedom from worrying about the risk of pregnancy because you're already pregnant and you're feeling good about um, just how things are going. And so that kind of increases your your desire. Uh, I had a coworker once who said to me, uh, we were talking to, for, you know, how we get in these conversations about sex. And I was in my 30s and I said, I want to have sex every day until I can't. Um, and she said, wait till you get to my age. You're not going to want to have sex. I don't even just you saying that makes me want to <laughs> put on a frowny face. <laughs> 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 so anyways, you know what? I am her age. And I still feel that way. I I still want to, every day. I just don't have a partner. <laughs> Anyhow, that's okay. I have I have me, myself, that's right. and I. Yeah. yeah. Um, go back to episode. I don't even know what on. Self pleasure.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, check out. It's funny. Um, I was going to mention this a little bit later, but there's a song by Luda called nasty girl and it talks about being a lady in the streets but a freak in the bed and that kind of business is a fantasy for your everyday person but i was going to talk about it later because when you kind of address the issue of um preconceived notions and expectations that were are unrealistic that kind of thing Mm. so i'm going to get back to that but I'm talking about a lot of emotional stuff. Uh, let's talk about the physical and what we need to work through as providers and, you know, caretakers of our clients and patients.
0: Yeah. So as healthcare providers, I mean, we're sort of the first line for patients, right? So um, they're going to come in for us, and we need to be sort of ready for whatever they're going to share. And so if someone comes in and says, "I'm just, I'm not really feeling," Up to it. I'm just, my libido's is really low. That's what people always say. I just don't really feel like having sex or, you know, I'm really tired, all these different things. Um, the first thing that we can do is take a really good history. And, and one of the things we can start with is doing some lab work. So, what's this person's thyroid level like? You know, if they're really hypothyroid, if they're really hyperthyroid, they may not be feeling kind of right. Um, what's their right. CBC? Are they super anemic? Or are they just like they can barely function day to day, let alone have sex? Um, same thing, vitamin D. B12 um, and consider PCOS labs. So a lot of people say they want like hormone testing, mm-hmm. which always is like the bane of my existence, because mm-hmm. what does that even mean? Everything's a hormone, you know? So um, but but something that we do see is if people have really, you know, low levels of, of testosterone or really high levels of testosterone or maybe they're really insulin resistant, you know, maybe they've got different things in place that are making them feel less sexual. So um, so some lab work can definitely be helpful.
1: Um, The emotional piece also plays a huge part. I'm sorry. If the person has a history of abuse, of physical abuse or sexual abuse or trauma.
0: And remember, we should be asking every patient about that at every visit.
1: Every visit. And I said to someone once, um, I was teaching a student, and I said, you know, this is a common sign. When you finally are about to do your exam... And you touch the patient and they sort of give you a little jump. Mm-hmm. And, you, and I say, look for those small signs. Right now, I know you're focusing on certain things, but look for those signs because they're trying to tell you something without telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have issues with your partner, if your partner has erectile dysfunction, if it's a male partner, if d- there's depression involved, if you're under a lot of stress... How much time have you been in the relationship? You know, early in the relationship, everybody wants to go at it every day. Later in the relationship, it's like, oh, my goodness, you annoy me. Mm -hmm. Stop! And why are you scratching your ear all the time? So just every little (laughs) thing bothers you.
0: Sometimes patients will say to me, I don't really feel like being intimate with my partner. And then I'll say, what is your partner doing to make you want to be intimate with them? You know, it's That's like
1: good. The onus is on everybody. It's not just on one right. one half of the relationship.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, you're right. And a lot of times they aren't doing anything. Um, medications that you that you're taking could be having an effect if you're on SSRI's or SNRIs, which are f- used to help your mood. Uh, if you have diabetes or fibromyalgia, are you using any lubricant? And then, you know, a lot of folks, sex toys and pornographic materials are a part of their repertoire. And uh, I think that, you know, we come from this Puritan foundation where that kind of stuff, they people pretend and they frown on it like in front of you. Meanwhile, they go home and they do it. But I think we need to bring more acceptance of that into the Mm -hmm. conversation and into the into our culture.
0: Well, it's an unrealistic expectation that you're just going to be able to be plopped next to your partner and and have this like mind blowing, amazing thing happen. You know, you might need, you might need some tools. Yeah. You might need some ingredients. You
1: might need some creative ideas because we run out of, you know, you have, I'm not even going to say that. I was going (laughs) to. When I was kids, I had a babysitter and she used to call it a key and a keyhole. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Just because you have those certain parts in that, you know, you need help. Everybody <laughs> needs help. Um, have you ever achieved orgasm alone or with a partner? And, you know, it was amazing when I had conversations with patients during their GYN exams and they, I would ask that question and they sort of looked at me for a minute sideways and then they went in hard. (laughs) No, I haven't. I thought something was wrong with me. And meanwhile, they had never bothered having any kind of clitoral stimulation or anything, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and asking, do you are you able to pleasure yourself by yourself or with your partner? And you talk about positions and figuring things out and letting folks know that it's not just you. Like it's it's a normal thing and mm-hmm. you can it can be fixed. It just sort of depends on what the issue
0: is. Most um, females, most people with female parts um, are not going to achieve orgasm just by penetrative sex. And I think that's like, a huge thing that people need to remember, like missionary, not, right? You gotta <laughs> like you gotta do something for your your clitoris, and your clitoris is is an enormous organ. Which yes. if anyone's you know not taking a look at it, you really should, because people think it's just this little nub at the top, but it's it's much larger than that. It's sort of this like wishbone shaped organ that um, spreads down into the labia and gets engorged with blood, and and can get a lot of great sensations, but not necessarily just from you know, something penetrating well below it. So you gotta gotta work with what you got, you know?
1: Yeah, you do. And you need to not be fearful of saying, uh, I need, Mm -hmm. I would love if you, I like, and uh, hopefully you have a partner who's not going to be offended. And if your partner is offended, you might need another partner, a different partner.
0: I mean, and if all else fails, you have two hands. Like, just put one down there. You got to get it done. Wow, you know what's
1: going on? Yeah,
0: exactly. We're not wasting time here. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, so when you're doing your physical exam on your patients, um, whenever you start your sort of pelvic portion, go ahead and before you do anything, just take a look. You want to look for areas of trauma. Is there tenderness? Is there vaginal atrophy? If you are a young person who has not heard of this before, um, Get woke, because otherwise, one day you will be in for a huge surprise when you're like, what's happening to my vulva and vagina? Because what happens as we get older, estrogen levels go down. Um, Sometimes different disorders, things like lichen sclerosis, can cause what's called atrophy, which is basically where everything kind of closes up. Um, you lose the architecture of the vulva and vagina, and, and that can be really uncomfortable. Um, does the person just have straight-up dryness, you know? Um, is there vestibular pain? Do they have vulvodynia? And these are things that are a little bit more serious, um, more with discomfort and pain, um, with penetration. But again, we can, we can learn from these observations, and we can use them to help the patient does the patient have mental issues? I recently had someone who is, you know, nearly 40 who had such an intact tight hymen um that i couldn't even i really couldn't even do an exam i couldn't even really get oh, my finger through bless her little heart. and yeah and she really really desperately wanted to be sexually active she had this great relationship and so um, for her we uh, started using lubricant with um, dilators, dilators and that's something that you know we'll talk about a little bit but um but right so you have to do the exam to figure that out to see mm-hmm. what that issue is so always look first um the second piece you're going to do is a bimanual Exam, um, and that's where you use your your finger, um, and sometimes more than one finger on the inside and your hand on the outside, and kind of feel: Are you eliciting discomfort? Does this person, you know, have pain when you do this? Do they have c- cervical motion tenderness? All these things can be signs and symptoms of something else going on. Do they have enormous fibroids? Mm-hmm. You know, um, whatever. Um, so always start with that, and then finally. You can use the speculum if tolerated. And if the person um, has issues with the penetration of the speculum, I always welcome people to um, put it in themselves, um, talk them through it start with the smallest one you got and go up if you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and really take a look at the tissue in the inside. Do they have um, good regation of the vagina? Is there a good estrogen? There rugation? Good? So it's the, um, if you look inside of someone's vagina that is young and has good estrogen, um, it's got sort of little ripples in it. Mm-hmm. So it's not perfectly smooth. And as you get older, you lose that Um, elasticity and that bounce and it smooths out and it's more likely to get torn it's more dry and friable Um, friable meaning it bleeds easily so um, so you want to see what the sort of status of this person's vagina is like and is there something you know going on so do your you know physical assessment For the record, I did know what it was, but I wanted her to. That was a good good (laughs) thing to ask. Um, And then also, I find it helpful too. um, And in my office that I'm practicing in now, we have hand mirrors in every um, room. And we say, show me. Like, give the person a mirror. Have them show you what they're feeling or point it out in the mirror. Or if you see something and you're like, oh, geez, I think this is what it is, Mm -hmm. give them the mirror. You know? So um, it's good for them to be aware of what's going on. Some people will panic with that, but I'm... I'm going to say probably 95% of my patients are super appreciative of it.
1: I bet. And I think it's important um to point out that we should be asking for permission for all of this like oh, of course. A, as each step and kind of explaining mm-hmm. and unless the person tells me I don't want to know anything which is troubling also I try to say, let's be on the same page at the same time. Yeah. So I'm going to be doing this, I'm looking for that and and proceeding forward and then just saying, okay, now we're gonna try something else, what do you think? And so, and these these kind of visits take some time. It's not something that you're gonna get done in a 10 or 15 minute right. um, tr- you know, transaction with your patient. So that's, you need to have appropriate time to do it. You want to be uh, also sure to be checking for things like vaginitis, sexually transmitted infections, um, any kind of growths, endometriosis, which is like a cyst that you can have in the pelvic area that can cause pain, adnexal masses, which are masses on your ovaries, cervical cancer signs, um, vulvar skin uh, issues, pelvic organ prolapse, and that's like after you've had a few children, maybe not even a few, depends on your, your sort of integrity. Um, your cervix and your uterus can sometimes prolapse, kind of come out of your vagina a little mm-hmm. bit, and that can cause a lot of pain and issues.
0: And additionally, you can have what's called a cystocele or rectocele. Cystoceles is where your bladder sort of protrudes into your vagina. Rectocele is where your rectum pushes up into your um, vagina. vagina.
1: And generally, those kinds of um, problems occur after you've had childbirth. Um, that's not a reason not to have childbirth, but they can. And, and it, especially if you don't, kind of exercise afterwards because I have had those issues and it really does work that the exercise and I have referred folks to urogynecology where they've done biofeedback and participated in exercises that really strengthen their pelvic floor so Mm -hmm. that parts aren't falling out um, which is also it doesn't feel good and it's a turnoff.
0: I just wanted to go back to the endometriosis. So endometriosis um, is, is um, it, you can have like an endometrioma, which is like mm-hmm. a growth, but endometrios, endometriosis is when you have an overgrowth of the endometrium, of the lining of your uterus, and it can grow into um, the walls of your uterus and, and other surrounding tissues, um, and that can cause a lot of discomfort. And we talked about that in our pelvic pain episode with Dr. Raskowski.
1: Yes, because it can cause pain with um, with intercourse or with that kind of activity um vulvodynia, which you d- you talked about a few minutes ago vaginismus where you have a uh, an an involuntary kind of response to someone putting their finger or penis or toy anything into your vagina it causes almost a spasmodic a spasm type reaction mm-hmm. and makes it really difficult and it's very painful and it's it's there's nothing sexy about it at all um and we have we have a um a colleague who is, you know, she is an expert in these areas. We'd like to bring her in at some point, uh, Dr. Copel, and have her talk about vulvodynia and vaginismus and pelvic pain kind of disorders. Uh, I've referred a lot of patients to her with good success. Um, adenomyosis may, may also be identified on pelvic exam. And so these are all like big words. And I don't usually go through all that with patients unless they have those diagnoses um, because I just feel like it it feeds more negativity into the whole situation. Let's try and figure out what your situation is and see if we can help you once we kind of narrow it down to um, addressing whether it's a physical, physiologic, or an emotional or Mm-hmm. What exactly the the root cause of the problem is, and with
0: lots of these bigger things, you know, things like endometriosis, you can um, treat based on mm-hmm. symptoms. And history but the only real true diagnosis for it is surgery. with laparoscopic surgery yes. and so and other things too in here like um, the adenomyosis Meiosis. and different um mm-hmm. having fibroids and things like that you may not be able to you may feel that things feel quote unquote bulky or or different or that the person has discomfort but a lot of times you need additional assessment so don't be afraid to order something like a transvaginal ultrasound which can give you a lot of really good information on what's going on inside um and also pelvic floor physical therapy and pelvic floor physical therapy um, has really evolved and can help people with pelvic pain, can help people. mm -hmm. You know, I think people a lot of times think about it specifically with things like pelvic floor prolapse and needing to work on your, you know, strengthening, but they can help with things like pain and vulvodynia, vaginismus, all these different disorders. So um, yeah, don't be afraid to do that. And then- Know that as a healthcare provider, you can use what's called the plicit model, um, which can be helpful for talking to patients about sexual dysfunction. So this model is where the healthcare provider first gives the patient permission to discuss their sexual problem. Then provides limited information to the patient about the sexual problem. So they'll kind of tell you what's going on. You sort of give them feedback. This is really normal. A lot of people, you know, describe this. It can be caused by X, Y, and Z. And then some specific suggestions are next where you are going to go ahead and tell them, you know, I think that you should try using a vibrator. I think you should try lubricant, you know, that's silicone based. I think you should try. X, Y, and Z. Um, and then finally, a referral for therapy if that's needed. And for some patients that have significant trauma um, or who have you know, more of the sort of emotional side of things that they're struggling with, intensive therapy can be super, super helpful. Um, and we want every patient to be able to pursue um, a long-term and appropriate solution so that they can meet their goals. I, I can't tell you how often, and actually, I, I feel um, some remorse about this, how often I feel like I may have sort of said to someone, oh, well, that's super normal. Mm-hmm. It's going to get better mm-hmm. when that's not a great answer. And really, we owe patients more and we owe them to really try to do everything in our power to make um, their sexual health as healthy as the rest of them.
1: And I think it bears mentioning um, that you need to engage with someone who you feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. that you have you feel that you can trust, you have a relationship, not your you know your provider who you from afar had a crush on or anything <laughs> crazy like that <laughs> because you just really want yeah and I've heard it I heard it just the other day yeah. um I you really want to be able to have this problem addressed and you want to trust the person and that they're going to have your best interests at heart and this plicit model um which I didn't even realize that it would and maybe I should have that it was called that was basically what I was describing. Just a minute ago, and it's sort of in a in an acronym that can help folks remember, especially those starting out and who want to be helpful to. Um, To patients.
0: So we owe it to patients to get uncomfortable, right? So, the the main reason why I think many providers don't delve into I mean, I I think there's probably two reasons why providers don't delve into the sexual health piece of things. And one is probably time constraints because they know that they're opening Pandora's box. Yeah. That door
1: goes open and then. Right. Yeah. You can't just shut it. And that's
0: awful. But unfortunately, that's the state of healthcare um, currently. And hopefully, That will change at some point. Um, But the second piece is also their own discomfort. And in order to be able to really speak to whatever your patient's going to share with you, you need to get comfortable with yourself. You need to get comfortable with your own sexuality and your own biases. Mm-hmm. You need to, you know, visit these things because you don't know what someone's going to throw. They might say, "I've been in an open relationship with X amount of people for this many mm-hmm. years," and you need to know how to handle that. And you need to be able to be appropriate and mature and um, earn their trust and how to work with it and non judgmental and non judgmental. And, and and the most important piece is if you don't know don't pretend. If you Mm -hmm. don't know, you should say, I hear you. I actually don't really know what we should do about that, but I'm going to help you figure it out. Right.
1: And if you know someone, don't be afraid to say, I know someone who knows about this. And that doesn't mean that I'm an idiot. It just means i want to take the best care of you that I can, not the worst. So um, and so let's go. Let's talk to that person. Let me introduce you to that person or whatever. Um, I think that all of that's really important. This is, you know, the work that we do is so intimate in and of itself. And I always tell patients if you feel uncomfortable when I'm about to examine you, I think that that is indeed normal. You have a stranger who you met a few minutes ago invading your hinterlands. <laughs> Um, And, you know, kind of entering your genitalia, and that's a very personal part of you. And so I think it's important that you be comfortable and that we acknowledge that this is bizarre, but necessary.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, low libido and sexual dysfunction. (laughs) Hello, my name is Josh Levinson from the Between Two Rocks podcast here at Baobab Tree Studios, and I want to share all of the wonderful people I know in New Haven with you. From restaurant owners to painters, photographers to small business owners, political activists and city officials, we discuss the issues you care about and then make fun of them. Join us the Between Two Rocks podcast wherever you get podcasts today.
1: Okay, we're back. Um, I'm going to just briefly talk a little bit what we both are about treatment, um, because we sort of brought up how to reveal all of this information. But then what do you do about it? And so initially, Kate talked about getting laboratory studies and that kind of thing. So that hopefully would bring you to a diagnosis that you could treat, let's say, if the patient did have um, a thyroid too high or low or, or a hormonal um, issue that wasn't, hormones are always appropriate, but it's just sort of not in in line with what she would like to have happen or like to see happening to her body. Um, physical, physical and structural problems, you can address that just like she was talking about the dilators and the lubricant. And if, if there are um, fibroids or growths or polyps or any kind of Issue that kind of way, figuring out how to re- rectify that problem. Um, if there's an infection, treat the infection. Th- those There are lots of treatments that work pronto. Mm-hmm. And um, if there's atrophy, atrophy, that is when things sort of, we talked about the vaginal walls getting smooth and actually um your vaginal opening kind of shrinking and everything kind of shrinks down with lack of estrogen, then you can get treatment with vaginal estrogen or hormone replacement therapy if you're so um, inclined. And Mm -hmm. I usually reserve that for women who are having more issues than just their vaginal issues, because right. you can treat things topically with the vaginal issues, but you need to t- be telling me that other things are happening. You can't sleep. You're a crab, crabby patty. You just like a whole lot of other issues that are related to um, you know estrogen depletion in your body, then we'll try and fix it with hormone replacement therapy because it is not risk free.
0: Right. Um, Although vaginal estrogen is very low risk. And so that may be a reasonable treatment um, for your patient. And it's super easy. I think people a lot of times think, oh, it's going to be messy because vaginal estrogen for a long time was creams and things like that. But they have a little pill. They have a ring. They have a a pill. pill. They (laughs) have all kinds of good stuff.
1: Yeah. That won't just be leaking out all over the place all the live long day. Just leaving a snail trail. (laughs) (laughs) A snail trail. Yeah. Is that what you call it if it's from the back too? (laughs) No. Okay. (laughs) Oh, that's a skid mark. (laughs) Um, Some women do well with um, lidocaine jelly. And lidocaine is for, you know, it's in the cane family. You go to the dentist, you get Novocaine, it numbs. Lidocaine also has that effect. It's a numbing medication and you can get it in a gel form. And that can also help with pain that you may be having with, Um, you know, with vaginal penetration and discomfort during the actual uh, coital act, Um, dilators to, and I had a patient who we did, I remember using dilators on because she said, I keep trying and I want to, and he wants to, but it can't, it it isn't working. Mm -hmm. Um, Now she had physical um, anatomical issues also, But the dilators worked really well, just uh, gradually starting small and going up, up, and up until she was able to achieve her desired um, penetration.
0: And for dilators, you can get them literally on amazon on the on the internet whatever there's all different types um i do recommend using like a silicone one with um many different sizes um they sell some crazy ones they sell some like metal ones and i've seen like other like weird like bamboo like no girlfriend just stick with (laughs) stick with like medical grade silicone that's that's my recommendation wow
1: that's whoa (laughs) bamboo huh i would be afraid it might disintegrate yeah um (laughs) yeah So, your anyway. vagina is made
0: of acid. That's <laughs> hey.
1: Anything is people, yeah, there are a lot of th- possibilities out there that folks don't don't think about. And you know, I think it's important to try to normalize the conversation about dilators and vibrators and that kind of thing, um, and and all kinds of potions that we use to try and make things better normalize it this is a problem it's not if you had a problem with your arm or a problem with your elbow because it's your joint is stiff you would that would be fine you would fix it and this is fine too we try to fix it
0: yep and if you if you have examples or you can really um show show images to patients if you can provide any of this stuff and really comfortably provide it to the patient that's going to help as well um and we've already talked about it therapy is amazing therapy, okay? Masturbation. It starts at home. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else, right? Hey, hello. That's right. Um lubricant. So you are more likely to achieve orgasm using um extra lubricant than without. So don't be scared of the lubricant. I'm a big fan of silicone based because it doesn't get gritty. It doesn't sort of dry up like water based, but you're going to need to try it just like with any kind of sort of topical thing. I always tell people try a little bit on your skin first because if you suddenly break out in horrible hives, you want to know that on your arm before you know that like on your labia. Um, porn again, we talked about it. It's not for everyone, but porn means more than just porn porn can be images porn can be erotica stories. It can be, you know, language, it can be ASMR, whatever, but whatever your thing is um, and communication talking to your partner, you know, if you're faking it. They don't know and they're not going to know. So you have to be able to have this conversation, go higher, go lower, harder, softer, whatever, give feedback, um, have discussions with your patients about outer course. And I am like a huge proponent of this. Outer course is basically before you put anything inside, you stimulate the outside again, the clitoris, the labia, all these like really sensitive the external nipples. parts. Yeah, exactly. The The neck. Yep. And have patience and have realistic expectations. It's probably not going to happen overnight. Um, And finally, I think I've plugged it on here before. Um, I wish they would want to be our sponsor. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. But um, oh, my God. Yes is an amazing um, for females by females website um, that is available by prescription that gives you literally hands on instructional exercises, videos, examples of how to get off.
1: Yes, we would love to have them as a sponsor. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, we're going to talk a little bit about drugs, and I think it's important to to um, sort of proceed it with a caveat that this is not a comprehensive study of these problems. And so we're just kind of skimming the surface, hoping to get folks to feel like they are will be comfortable enough to address these issues. But I'm going to talk right now about a medication called Addy. It's a mm-hmm. nightly tablet it is controversial um it well it isn't really used that much because it ha- it yielded a minimal increase in desire and there were a lot of side effects mm-hmm. um cns depression central nervous system is cns with somnolence th- it's that sort of just being up but not awake mm-hmm. um and sedation making you sleepy fatigue, insomnia, dry mouth, hypotension meaning low blood pressure, syncope which is dizziness, and all of those things basically um are the definition of being a zombie. <laughs> right.
0: Um. To me it's like you're you're willingly giving yourself like a date rape drug. Like that's what it makes me think of. Like it makes you just like not care. I, I don't know. And I can't imagine as a partner being like, yeah, let's do it. And then your partner's just like slurring and like falling over, like right. gross. Yeah, <laughs> no, that
1: is a floppy little blow up doll. That's that's no bueno. No, it's not. Um, my studies have shown that dose related increase with this drug that if you, it, as you increase the dose, there's an increase in the incidence of malignant mammary tumors in female mice and dangerous, and it is dangerous when you use it with alcohol, speaking of date rape, uh, and other drugs, so not such a good one, Addy. I wish they didn't name it Addy because you know that makes me think of American girls. But the doll.
0: Oh, I have that American girl. Yeah, Aww. so does so
1: does Amaya. So does my daughter. But anyways, yeah,
0: yep. Um. So then there's a newer medication called Vileci. Um. Interestingly, it started out as a medication that they were trying to sort of change pigmentation of the skin for. Light-skinned white people, people, white people, white people. <laughs> um, and it and it didn't do that. No one no one was really getting um nice and tan, but they were finding that they were feeling hella horny when they used it. So um, it's gotten FDA approved as a sub Q injection that you take 45 minutes before sex. You give yourself a little shot in one of your little pockets of fat. Grab your belly, you know, give yourself a little shot. Um, And don't
1: get angry if it doesn't happen, like you wasted your
0: shot. Right. (laughs) Um, You are not supposed to use it more than eight doses in a month. um, But 25% of people treated with it had an increase of a 1.2 or more on their sexual desire score. And that's out of six. So that's pretty significant. Yeah, that is. Um, And 35% of patients treated with it had a decrease of one or more in their distress score. So on a range of zero to four, their... um, their distress about their sex and their libido was going down. Nice. Um, possible side effects: nausea and vomiting, flushing, which I guess occur more likely the first time you use it. Um, and then, of course, you can always have injection site reactions anytime you give yourself an injection, and um, headaches. But you can take it with alcohol. Nice.
1: <laughs> so it could you could make it happen <laughs> instead of getting mad because it doesn't happen after you took your injection. Um, that flushing makes me think of back in the day when Viagra came out for for the fellas. Um, they were suggesting it wasn't FDA approved for this purpose, but they were suggesting that women could also try to use it to sort of stimulate desire and that kind of thing. And I had patients who, not at my prescription, but who had come to me saying, "I've tried Viagra," and I say, "What happened?" And they said they got flushed and tingly and not in a good way not in a way that it was tingly all over and not where Mm -hmm. they wanted it to be not on their clitoris Mm -hmm. per se so that's very interesting that um, it just I don't want to get on a whole soapbox about research but how the research is done by and who is done for Mm -hmm. and white males she said it (laughs) (laughs) she said it and so um, you know women still don't have a medication that is um, deliberately developed based on research for these issues that we feel we need um, remedies for. Mm-hmm. Um, transdermal testosterone, uh, which transdermal means it's like a little patch you can put or, or a cream you can put on your skin. It's not approved, here we go again, by the FDA, but multiple randomized trial controlled trials have demonstrated a positive effect of testosterone on improving sexual desire. And some of the the hormone replacement has a little bit of that in, in it. And so sometimes when you do hormone replacement, you you get that little bit of added benefit also. Um, so for the patients who are complaining of decreased libido, um, sometimes this could be used off label, of course, um, especially in surgically menopausal women, like if you've had a hysterectomy and they've uh, removed your ovaries. But you're in your like, 30s yeah, yeah. Your, or your early 40s mm-hmm. or something which is just unfortunate um, because you once that happens you tend to go into menopause which you would be expecting like 15 years later or right. whatever um, the downside of of testosterone is that it can have virilizing effects so for those who don't know what virilizing is um it your cl- clitoris can become enlarged and in, in an odd way, not in a like, oh that looks nice. That looks like a little man in a boat. <laughs> no, um,
0: it's it's it becomes sort of
1: sort of phallic. Yeah, like a like a mini penis. Mm-hmm. Um you can get more facial hair, um, goatee, beards, mustaches, that kind of thing, hair loss on the top of your head, mm-hmm. acne. Um so these things are good when you want them. You know, there are folks um like you know trans um men who do want these effects and Mm -hmm. so then you maybe not the baldness but um that's where it would be good but not for you know someone who wants to maintain female characteristics so it's good when you want it and not when you don't
0: right Um, So there's also a lot of compounded topical treatments, which compounds basically are done by specialized pharmacies who um, compound or put together a bunch of different ingredients for each individual prescription and each individual patient. And so some of these treatments... are called things like scream cream or dream cream. Um, and they have different things in them. Aminophiline. I might be saying that wrong. Um, Aminophiline. Sure. Uh-huh. L-arginine. Um, I can't do any of these. Testosterone sometimes. Menthol. So a bunch of different sort of... Uh, herbs and supplements and things like that that have been shown to potentially when used all together topically, you know, bring more blood flow, bring a little bit more sensation to the area and help um, women achieve and and have sort of these better sustained stronger orgasms or orgasm at, at all.
1: Where do you get these?
0: Compounding pharmacies, so you- you're still going to need it with a prescription. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are compounding pharmacies usually in in all areas, but you can also a lot of them are mail away now. So there's like I think one in like Boca Raton, and you know a bunch of, of random ones, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> and a lot of times the mail away pharmacies are a little bit less expensive, which is nice too. Um, and then I love a company called Bonafide or Bonafide, and basically it is a company that sells supplements, um, and they have a couple different ones for different. Um, sort of things that typically gynecologic patients uh, complain of. So there's one called Ristella, which is a supplement that you can take to help with libido. Um, And it has a lot of those same things in it, including pine bark extract and rosehip extract, which have been shown um, in some studies to help with libido. Um, And they also make something called Reverie, which is for vaginal dryness. It's a non-hormonal treatment of um, hydrolonic acid, which is something that is a lot of times used in facial creams and in um, like skin plumping agents and yes. it, it helps with hydration and it helps do that sort of in your vulva and vagina as well. Um, and the last thing I want to just mention briefly is although it is not um, federally legalized, um, THC has been shown um, in places where you can get it um, legally like California, Colorado, many dispensaries carry THC lubricant. And um, I have read some you know smaller studies that women who have pelvic pain um, or who have difficulty relaxing, achieving orgasm, people with vulvodynia, um, vaginismus, things like that, are using the THC lubricant um, and able to enjoy sex again or even achieve orgasm with that. So again, uh, we're a far place away from doing real studies with um, THC or you know marijuana, if you right. want to think of it that way. Cannabis. Um, right. And well, How about if you just have gummies too? and just, just just rub the gummies all around your labia. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Just chew a bunch and
0: then, I mean, I think I think, I think here it's, it's a combination. Local effect, it's, but a, yeah. it's a you
1: would want a combination <laughs> effect, but yeah, oh man, no, we we're well, we're being uh, not we're a little bit silly. The last thing I was going to mention was. Um, Hormone replacement therapy, which I talked about a little bit, and mm-hmm. uh, for some women, they all they need is to replace their estrogen. And we talked about vaginal topical estrogen, but if you are having other symptoms of that are perimenopausal, then uh, a systemic hormone replacement could help. You must be mindful of, you know, using estrogen without um, without progesterone unopposed, because that can lead to endometrial issues like cancer and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, And hormone replacement therapy, you know, at one point everyone was on hormone replacement therapy and then no one was on hormone replacement therapy because, you know, these trials that came out that said, no, that's bad. Um, And I think the pendulum is kind of swinging back to a little bit of the middle. You just like any other medication is something that you use if you need to. And these are the risks and these are the benefits. And then you make a decision on what you want to do i have a friend who said absolutely i have to have it um and then based on other conversations i realized it had to do with uh sex drive also Hmm. um she didn't come out and say that she's she's very conservative but anywho uh and i don't i'm not going to mention any more about that because i don't want people figuring things out um let's now, this whole conversation, we always sort of interject and intersect race and culture and queerness and all of that into our into our talks, because that's that's our purpose. And culturally speaking, I think that with people of color and other cultures, it's not something that it's easy to discuss because it just the household isn't that way. We might do a lot of things, watch porn watch soft porn uh what's that what's that series that's on now and someone said that's soft porn. bridgerton Bridgerton. Yes. <laughs> yes. yeah yeah chandra <laughs> <laughs> um d- things that will stimulate us and and just kind of ways you know smoke weed and try again and things like that but it's a little bit um difficult for us in our relationship with the medical community isn't as so trusting just yet to kind of easily have that conversation. But it's really important that you uh, talk to your patients about it, regardless if they don't want to pursue it, then you don't have to, but at least you've done your due diligence. Um, Sometimes people think the solution is getting a new partner. And I had one of my colleagues actually say that once she said, a new partner will turn things right around. (laughs) And if you're in a, A committed relationship, that's not really the solution, even though some people try it. Um, It's interesting. We were having this conversation and talking about um, female rappers and the perception of, of sort of sexy black women which you can
0: Yeah, no, talk I was just that. like I think of, you know, all these artists right now. I you know, Lizzo and Megan Thee Stallion. If you're thinking about like Adina Howard from the 90s, Do You Wanna Ride? Like all these, you know, female rappers that seem super sexually empowered and like very outwardly sexual. Um and I and you know, having this conversation with PR, I was like, you know, is this sort of an embellishment of the of um sort of the nature of of black women
1: or no for some of them it's actually a fact but for just as many it is everybody doesn't have a wop and everybody isn't a savage and <laughs> even if they want to be and so i i think it's important not to have people thinking oh that's i'm I, why can't i be like that and thinking that you're lesser than because yeah. you're not that way um how we see ourselves affects how we see others and our sexual interactions. And I think that that's really important to, um, you know, to, to kind of consider. And it's important to consider as we do more um, cultural and racial mixing Mm -hmm. with our partners and things like that, that we're not monolithic and so you know just because you saw Megan Thee Stallion and um Cardi B and they were you know that that doesn't necessarily mean that you are that way even though you may even physically resemble them
0: yeah um, so just touching a little bit on the LGBTQIA plus population, uh, there are a lot of studies um, on lesbians specifically that report that they have overall greater sexual satisfaction than their heterosexual counterparts. Um, that includes an increased ability to feel aroused and achieve orgasm um, and some thoughts uh, With this have to do with the idea that they spend potentially more time in non-sexual acts leading up to sex or what many people call foreplay but for a lot of um, like queer same-sex couples um, the foreplay is the is the act Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, you know a lot of times the sexual acts that are performed things like reciprocal oral sex um, and you know uh, mutual masturbation and things like that are ways that women Easily achieve orgasm. Um, that being said, they can still have the same struggles as heterosexual women. So, um, hypoactive sexual desire disorder due to the normal things that we all carry uh, homework, stress work. I'm sorry, <laughs> homework, home stress, work stress. <laughs> you can tell I've been uh, doing, doing at home You've with been my kids. Doing at
1: home work. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yes. Um, children. That can be a stressor. And, and you know, normal things like everyday depression, anxiety. Um, and that, that brings
1: me to back to that point that I was talking about earlier with regard to, um, um, you know, people wanting a certain image of who who's in this, you know, kitchen and who's in the bed, what they're doing in the bed. Mm. And that that's a that can be a fantasy because. As you were bringing up homework and work, work, <laughs> work, work, and in homeschooling and all right. of that, um,
0: especially right now,
1: can have yeah. That's
0: that's a that's taken on a lot. Yeah. Um, so many in the LGBTQIA plus population also have unique factors that can affect their sexual relationships, um, with themselves and others. So things like internalized homophobia, you know, even though you are a queer person, you might not be super comfortable with the fact that you're, that person um, mm. and the sort of chronic stress that's associated with being a member of the queer community and being out, you know, constantly being sort of scared that your, um, that your sexuality and things like that, your gender are going to make things difficult for you. Yeah, like being black. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there's also this piece of connectedness. So um, there's this terrible joke that's like, what do lesbians bring to the second date? a u-haul and (laughs) uh, and you know in many femme relationships um things can get intense very quickly you form a really deep level of connectedness faster and so um i'm just going to throw this out there for people who are maybe straight have you ever met another uh, like woman let's say that you instantly were like i love this person this is like you become like a girl crush like you're like Mm -hmm. this is my best friend this is amazing Mm -hmm. um and that really i think can be exacerbated when you're queer and that person is all those things plus like sex you know Mm. like so why wouldn't you go all in yeah why wouldn't you bring the you home right um and and of course as you get comfortable you you things get really heated up quickly and then they sort of cool down quickly too and so Mm. as things cool down in in any type of relationship you know the sexual intensity many times cools down as well Mm. um and in trans men you can have um sometimes there's difficulty in initiating and seeking sexual contacts, maybe for fear of someone, um, you know, perceiving them as their, um, you know, born sex and not their identity. Um, And there's also rates of sexual dysfunction um, in many people pre transition. So, trans men pre-taking tea or having surgery um, or non-binary people before that. But we do find that as they go on tea and they have surgery and they have these interventions to become their- Tea,
1: not green,
0: black, or white. Sorry, testosterone. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. Um, But as they they initiate all these changes to become their true selves, then their rates of uh, satisfaction go up. So they are able to, once again, feel more sexually fulfilled um, when they're sort of their true selves. That makes me happy me when too. anyone
1: can be their true selves. Um, yeah, I, we we follow this person on social media who recently got top surgery and he is so like happy. He mm-hmm. just seems so happy. And I'm just sort of following his happiness as he goes along with his life. Yeah. Really fun. All right. Well, I think that's about enough for one mind to take in this short time. Absolutely. Um, you know, for me, the takeaways are, you know, libido. It's normal to have it or not and it's not just
0: you. Absolutely. So, and by the way, if you are like my libido's super low and it works great and my partner and I are super happy. That's good fine. for you. That's, that's amazing. That, that means amazing. it's not a problem and then we are going to cheer you on. Right? No, of
1: course. Yep. That's it's and especially if you guys are on the same page mm-hmm. with it. So if, there's not a there's no m- a manual that says this is where it needs to be at this age and at this point. It's you, you are the guide, Mark, and you sort of can, it's about your personal happiness. So right. that's what's important. If you aren't happy with some, something, if you aren't happy with any of it, it's something to bring up and address with your healthcare provider and make sure it's one who hears you, someone you're comfortable with. And if they don't, then you can get a new one because... There are a lot of us out there. Yep. And, and for me, it's really important to get rid of the stigma behind therapy. And I know in, in communities of color, you know, we're, we're just kind of uh, making that adjustment now. But therapy works for so many different things. We've all had situations growing up that we wish were a different way. And you can deal with that. And it affects your relationships. And so you can deal with that, too. So get rid of the stigma behind therapy. And speaking of stigmas, I don't like, I was having a conversation with a coworker and she was talking about someone that she knows who's a sex worker. And she just thought that is so disgusting. And I said, well, not if that's what she wants to do. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, how would you like if your daughter was a sex worker? And I said, my daughter is an adult. She can be whatever she wants. And that includes a sex worker.
0: Sex work is work. It's work, which
1: uh, don't get the mistaken impression that sex workers have high libidos. They're working. Mm -hmm. And so they are just like the general population in terms of desire and drive or lack thereof.
0: Absolutely. And as always, um, folks, we are just touching on this subject. We're just like barely dipping our toes in. There's so much more to say. There's so much more um, to discuss. And it's so, so important that you talk, you know, if you're the patient, that you talk with your provider. And if you are the provider, that you are open to learning and absorbing as much as you can, learning from your patients, learning from your friends, learning from CMEs, um, just, just being open to learning.
1: We'd like to thank, because we are concluding, Baobab Tree Studios, our friends, family, all of you. We'd like to thank Mr. Kenny Blackwell, who composed our theme song, and all who make this podcast possible.
0: Please be sure to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Midwife Crisis Podcast, or email us, please email us, at midwifecrisispodcast at com. Until next time, normalize talking about sex.
1: And the best protection from all kinds of things is lavar las lavese las manos. So, por favor, lávate las manos. Wash your hands and wear your mask. Bye. In 2021. Bye. Bye.